Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. I'm Erlon Woods. I'm Nigel Poor. We're the hosts and creators of Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia. Ear Hustle is a show about life inside prison, but it's not your typical prison podcast. In this next season, we've got stories about the objects people keep inside their prison cells. About residents in a women's prison who say they want to stay there. And the most beautiful prison garden. Erlon, I will never forget it. Ear Hustle. Stories about life on the inside told by those who live it. Find Ear Hustle wherever you get your podcasts. From WABE in Atlanta, welcome to this Tuesday edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. We've got a lot to get to, so we'll start with this. The year was 2012, March 5th, by unanimous vote, the MARTA Board of Directors approved the design-bill contract for the Atlanta Streetcar Project. In December of 2014, the streetcar began to move along its 2.7-mile route. Now, depending on whom you ask, the streetcar has been an adequate city transit addition. Others might not agree. An audit in 2016 revealed dozens of problems with the streetcar, and then both MARTA and the city were given a deadline to fix those issues. That coming from the Georgia Department of Transportation. But now there are bigger plans in store for the streetcar, and MARTA is hoping the public will be instrumental in the extension process. Joining me now is Heather Aladef, Assistant General Manager of Planning for MARTA. Heather, thanks for taking the time. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here. I appreciate the platform you have for talking with Atlanta. Let's begin, however, with the recent action from MARTA's Board of Directors because they approve the fiscal year 2020 operating and capital budgets. It's just about $1.3 billion, and that includes more than $550 million in operating funds and $749 million for the capital programming. And Heather, coming off a tremendous revenue loss last year due to the pandemic, how critical was it to get this budget adopted? Oh, this was um, vital. It's also, it helps us in so many ways as we move forward. But I think this is the 10th year of a balanced budget. That's really important for MARTA's health and and longevity. The um, federal stimulus funding, the CARES Act money was very important to help uh, shore up some of those shortfalls due to the economic hit from the pandemic. So um, I'm really excited and um, it was definitely a big lift, but we made it. So, And for the many folks who utilize MARTA, they'll enjoy to hear this because I believe this does not include a fare increase at all, correct? Correct. That's correct. I think that's going on 12 years now. We're going to dig further into the expansion of the streetcar, but in all the years you've been involved in this and with something like a pandemic, what lessons were learned in terms of transit and mobility, you think, through your lens for not just MARTA, but all transit authorities and all transit agencies took something away from this pandemic? Well, I think, um, first of all, the core theme that I think resonates with everybody out of this is the understanding of essential workers and essential workers to our economy. I think there uh, anybody that's worked in transit or, or cares about cities has known that for a long time, but I think the general public understanding that has taken a larger presence in most people's mind. The ability for our economy to keep going, for groceries to be at the stores, for people, for um, healthcare workers to be able to be at the hospitals to deal with this crisis. I mean, that was truly 
um, the most important and critical focus. And I think now everybody knows that and everybody has a better respect for that. So that's, that's a beautiful thing in my mind. Let's talk about the expansion for the streetcar, but I also want to get your assessment because, as I mentioned coming into the segment, depending on whom you ask, but has the streetcar lived up to, I guess, this game-changing transit component as originally expected? I would like to make a slight correction because the original streetcar funding, I've been around for a while in Atlanta, and the history of that is actually that was um, a reaction to the economic downturn in the economy and so that was a stimulus. Uh, that was a jobs project, basically, to okay. create construction jobs. So the um, purpose was to boost the economy. Um, so that that you know was an important project at the time. Yes. Do you think people know that? I think that's forgotten. I don't think people remember that. But that was truly it was an era stimulus grant from the Obama administration. Maybe not Obama's before that, but um, mm-hmm. it was definitely a stimulus project. The, and so the limits of the project, the project size was um, small. Mm-hmm. So that has been a limiting factor to its success. But again, the project, there was a certain amount of money that the federal government gave Atlanta at a time that was very important. And I think also to move dirt in that area and that community was very important as well. So in that regard, um, setting the table for the development to come, it has been helping with that. Um, now, as far as ridership, there's delays um, on the western portion near mm-hmm. Centennial Park that we need to get past that. Um, but as far as a stimulus project and setting the table for more development, I think it has done that. The extension, which we're hopefully going to talk about, mm-hmm. I think will help a lot because it will go further. It'll go longer distance and cover more places. And so that will gain more ridership. Well, let's talk about this expansion or the extension of the streetcar. Tell our Closer Look listeners the details here. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, So I'd like to point out that this was the first meeting that we just had. So if you're just new to this conversation, welcome. We've got many more meetings to come. But we um, had our first meeting, uh, I guess that was May 27th. There were 260 attendees, which is a good turnout for a public meeting. Mm -hmm. Um, We've had about 300 views of the recording. So I wanted to make sure people understand that if they miss that meeting, it is recorded on MARTA's YouTube channel. And it's also in our virtual meeting room. That virtual meeting room is a great place to go for more information. So anything we talk about today, you can go to that virtual meeting room and dive into the details as much as you feel like you want to. Um, But there's also a survey right now. So there's there's an open conversation that we're, we're encouraging the public to interact with us the survey is open until June 30th. So I appreciate the timeliness of this conversation because we're trying to generate traffic to that um, virtual meeting room. Well, let's talk about the actual extension. What are we talking about? Because for some folks that may not know, right now the streetcar, it runs from near Centennial Park on up through, what are the streets here? Yeah, Edgewood, and if you're familiar with the project, um, it goes east and west. Um, Edgewood Avenue and Auburn, and it stops at Jackson Street. So this is actually extending it eastwards from Jackson. Mm -hmm. It will continue on Edgewood only. So that's a distinction that we were were clarifying in this public meeting. Mm -hmm. So if right now you can picture it, it goes out one way and comes back another on Mm -hmm. different streets. This project, the extension will stay as a couplet on Edgewood. It will curve up to Irwin Street and then get onto the Beltline. So the Beltline at Irwin, if people can picture that, the train would then get onto the Beltline and head north to Pont City Market. To be clear, because someone listening saying, wait a minute, 
it's going to connect to the belt line or it will be on the belt line? It will be on the belt line. We are beginning to fulfill the transit portion of the belt line project. Someone listening, and I want to be fair because I'm thinking, is there enough room for a streetcar and then the paved way of the belt yes, of the belt line? Yeah. Uh, the beauty is about the Beltline project is in its original um, vision. It was always envisioned to have transit as well as bike and pedestrian facilities. And so Ryan it was Gravel reserved. Yes, Ryan Gravel somewhere is smiling, saying, "I told you, Rose." <laughs> that's right. That's right. Ryan and many other people were very excited about that. So this is the beginning of that uh, implementation of the transit portion uh, onto the Beltline. Heather, also this expansion, this extension. What is a timeline? Because I imagine it's not something that's going to happen within a couple of years, but what's the, yeah. the timeline? Here? That's important. And it, it, it can be frustrating for folks in the public to understand how long these things take. So let me try to break it down. Mm-hmm. For the next 12 to 18 months, we're going to be doing what's called preliminary engineering. That's where you start to get into the weeds of the engineering work. We've left the planning phase. Where, well, I mean, this is technically still in planning, but it starts to get more of the engineering details This was the first meeting. So we're going to have 12 to 18 months of the preliminary engineering. Then we will move into what's called final design. Final design will begin in 2022. And then construction will begin in 2024 with an opening of 2027. 2027. And then the Beltline is projected to be completed in 2030. If you're just joining us, this is Closer Look, and I'm Rose Scott. And I'm in conversation with Heather Aladef, Assistant General Manager of Planning for MARTA. And we're talking about extending downtown Atlanta streetcar. It's a project that could take a few years. From a sustainability viewpoint, will the expansion be beneficial in that regard as well? Yes. I mean, I think whenever you can extend transit and and frequent transit, reliable transit, you are connecting more people. You are making when you can build out portions of a system, the system overall begins to be stronger. And for those who are wondering, okay, does this streetcar expansion displace any residents or businesses? Does it disturb any ecosystems? No, it does not do that. We are in the preliminary engineering phase is the phase where you actually identify which properties might have an impact, but they're not being displaced. And that's the phase where we identify those properties. We talk with the stakeholders. We talk with the owners. We talk with the community about that. That's kind of what we're doing now. And is there a and maybe this is not the fair question to you, but you're going to get the money question. Uh, How much will all this cost? This particular project is at one hundred and forty nine million dollars. And the um, vehicle maintenance facility that some people may be familiar with that's mm-hmm. under the highway in between Auburn and Edgewood, mm-hmm. will, there will be some modifications to that facility to accommodate this. But it will, it will, um, we've already determined that it will be sufficient for this project. That was one of the early questions we had to answer. And from an infrastructure standpoint, are there any concerns that you all have or with your feasibility study, did it pinpoint that there might be some, some issues in terms of infrastructure, sidewalks, bike lanes, all of that. That's exactly what we're flagging and bringing to people's attention and why we're hoping people will participate in our survey, learn about this project. I think what's important right now is we, what we put in the virtual meeting room was we have the stop locations identified. So we want feedback about the stop locations. That's always a first point of question is how do I access the stations? Mm -hmm. Um, So the station, proposed station locations are there. 
the cross section. So if you're standing in a street and you're looking at where's the train versus where are the bikes versus the pedestrians, that cross section, those proposed, they're high level at this phase, we're still early. Those are there as well. So you can see what does it look like? And we're, we've got some suggestions out there for how to handle the bicycle facilities on Edgewood. So there's two options that we're asking people to weigh in on. That's very important. Then when it gets onto the Beltline, obviously there's already a lot more design for bicycles and pedestrians there. Mm -hmm. But I think at the, that point, the Beltline, uh, where it crosses at Irwin, do we close that to vehicles? Do we close Edgewood to vehicle, like leave it for just bike ped and transit only? That's a question a lot of people have been asking because there's a lot of activity, as you know, on mm -hmm. Edgewood Avenue, um, especially on the weekends, there's a lot of car traffic. So you know, there's, we're asking folks to weigh in on, should we limit that car traffic uh, to prioritize bicycles, pedestrians and transit? Um, and then another important feature when you get into the infrastructure question that I think is very important for people to start to understand is there will need to be a safety barrier between the train and mm -hmm. the Beltline right away that people are used to walking on. And so what that barrier will be, we don't know yet. But that's a that's a reality that we need for people to weigh in on. A couple of other questions as it relates to that traffic, particularly for those businesses on Edgewood. And you noted, and you are absolutely correct, the traffic is heavy on Edgewood. Let's be really clear. But businesses, those restaurants, there's a great Jamaican restaurant that I love over there. I love all the restaurants who may be concerned about if you modify or if you close some of these streets, that might hurt my bottom line in terms of my business. Exactly. And that's what we're asking people. That's why we have this survey. I think one of the things we're trying to identify is understand the loading and unloading needs. A lot of the businesses have been involved to date and they've expressed a lot of um, loading and unloading questions. And the, the bike facility question that I was saying, there's two options, mm -hmm. depending on which is chosen, has an impact on the parking. So that has a direct relationship to the businesses as well. But I think one thing we're hearing a lot from the businesses is they're excited about more bike pedestrian mm -hmm. um, and transit uh, design and money being spent to improve the corridor. So it's also a big benefit to the corridor as well. And so Heather, when it gets up to Pond City Market, will it stop and then just reverse and go the other way? Or will there be a separate track or lane for another streetcar? Yeah, we're, we're, we don't have those details yet. We don't have the, that fine level of drawings yet, um, but it will have to stop and then just reverse and go back. Because um, obviously you can't turn around there at Pont City Market. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Marta is making a heavy push to include the public for feedback and input. You've worked in this sector for a long time. And folks have said, you know, we've given our feedback. We, we gave our input and it wasn't even considered. How can Marta, how can you all ensure the community that you will listen to them, that you want their feedback and input and that it will be considered? And that when we talk about transit and mobility in this region, particularly now we're talking about the city of Atlanta, equity is always an issue there and having all of the major stakeholders involved. I can't emphasize this enough. There's nothing more important to us and what we do and who we are and why we're here is what people have to say and balancing all those needs out. So it is absolutely fundamentally elemental. It's everything we care about is hearing from the public. And that's why we're encouraging people to weigh in, talk to us, share. Um, there are a lot of, um, you know, decisions to be made and it's getting people to weigh in on those decisions. It's really important. We try to have different platforms. We try to offer different um, methods of reaching out to people. So 
for example, the meeting alone itself, um, I was riding the bus on Ponce mm -hmm. and there were, um, you know, yard signs announcing the meeting at the bus stops along Ponce. Mm -hmm. So every, every I think the important thing about communicating with the public is using different mechanisms to reach people. So some are great through radio, which is why I'm so grateful to you and for having us. Some is paper-based, some is social media. Um, there's a lot of different methods and trying to cover all those is really important to us. We also try to ensure that people can call in if they have trouble logging in. So we always try to make sure we have the different technologies covered as well to make it as easy as possible. Anybody can email us too. If, they, if the other methods haven't worked, if they always can reach us. So, um, and we are grateful for that input and engagement. And Rose, as you know, as it relates to equity, I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up another very important project that Marta's focused on right now, which is the Campbellton Road Corridor. Mm -hmm. uh, that has, we just finished our third public meeting. That's a little bit further along in its process. Um, but we are at a very vital phase in, the, in this project, asking people to choose if they prefer bus rapid transit or light rail vehicles, LRT versus BRT. Mm. They have very different impacts to the community. Mm -hmm. So it's a very important time for people to weigh in. It, it limits driveway access, left turns, um, center running versus curb running, which would change the whole look of Campbellton Road, which as you know, is a very, um, has a wonderfully plugged in community. So we really wanna make sure people are aware of that project and to go to the virtual meeting room and give us their feedback. And when could y'all possibly begin based on whatever design or concept is in the end you all decide when could that begin and when the completion so that's so that's why this question right now about brt versus lrt is even more important because one of them takes longer to construct and build yeah so so the question is twofold if if they if the community if if brt is what the community finds to fit that could be open in 2028 mm -hmm. If it's LRT, you're looking more like 2031. So there's wow. a couple of years difference between the delivery of those projects. So that's also another thing for people to weigh in their minds. Heather Aladef is Assistant General Manager and planning for MARTA. And we've been talking about the Atlanta Streetcar's long-awaited extension. It's an eastern segment of the Atlanta Beltline. could be operating by 2027. Heather, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And we want to hear from you. Send me your feedback about the Atlanta Streetcar Extension. You can email me, rose at wabe.org, or tweet me at wabe rose scott. Again, rose at wabe.org, or tweet at wabe rose scott. What do you think about the Atlanta Streetcar Expansion? Heather, keep us posted. We'd love to have you back. And now I don't know where I'll be in 2027, but hopefully I'll be <laughs> checking out the, the streetcar. Hope to see you there, yes. Take care now. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. 
The Gold Dome Scramble podcast is now plugged in a WABE politics podcast. New name, same on the ground reporting from us, WABE politics reporters Sam Greenglass and Raul Bally. We'll cover local, state, and national politics as we talk to politicians and voters to break down each week's biggest headlines. New episodes drop on Fridays. Listen and subscribe at WABE.org or your favorite podcast platform. WABE.